Welcome to Ahead of the Game, a podcast brought to you by the Digital Marketing Institute. I'm your host, Will Francis, and welcome to the first episode of 2023. We're really looking forward to many more conversations with real-life marketers this year. And if you have any recommendations for people that we must have on the show, or you yourself would like to come on, get in touch with us at podcast at digitalmarketinginstitute.com. We'd love to hear from you. So today I'll be talking to Roan Morgan, all about running and working with marketing agencies. And stick around to the end where Roan shares her pro tips for working with agencies successfully and growing your own agency. Roan is the CEO and co-founder of Demand Lab, an agency she launched in 2009 in response to the new opportunities technology was bringing to the marketing landscape. And today employs around 30 people across the world. With over 25 years of experience in the industry, she's an award-winning digital marketing professional. She's the co-author of Change Agents, The Radical Role of Tomorrow's CMO, host of the Revenue Rebels podcast, and she publishes an award-winning monthly column for CMS Wire. Roan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm very happy to be joining you today, Will. Thanks for inviting me. It's great to have you. We've not really had a guests like you really you know and and had a chance to talk to someone about growing an agency it's something I know a lot of people aspire to do um, and I'll try and kind of uh, you know get those insights out of you as we go I suppose so what's it like to run an agency in 2023 so we started this work in 2009 as an agency I had been already working in this space for quite a while Um, and a tremendous amount has changed obviously since then I was actually reflecting on when I first started to work in marketing. It was in, uh, I almost said 2000, it was actually in 1990. It was very analog. <laughs> we were working for film studios. It was an internship. It was a, an agency, amazing place that I was working. And what a tremendous, incredible, like, uh, light year change from when I started in this space uh, till today when we're looking at machine learning and um, artificial intelligence and, you know, of course, what Demand Lab has grown in, which is um, automation, marketing automation, uh, integrated with CRM, integrated with um, uh, uh, content marketing, uh, you know, systems, etc., um, so going into 2023, it is incredibly exciting because, uh, we know that technology's, uh, advances are not going to slow down. And so mm-hmm. there are, uh, more opportunities than ever to do some really incredible work in marketing. If you can marry, Things like the creativity and the strategy with the technology. Did you ever watch Mad Men? Of course. Twice. Yeah. You know the the depiction of an agency in Mad Men. So if anyone, anyone doesn't know Mad Men, it was that very popular American um, drama serialised over a number of seasons, um, followed the uh, an, an ad agency and the people that worked there. And... Um, so you've got the planning department, the account management, you've got the copywriters and the creatives and the creative director, Don Draper, and you've got the business side of things. You know, you've got those classic kind of agency departments and roles. And if you go into a lot of agencies today, they're still present, right? Uh, how How is the structure of your agency um, different than that? Or is it? Is it just the same? Hmm. Uh, so there are a couple, there are a few, there are many different types of agencies 
Um, and I think that uh, in terms, we're probably more like the Mad Men agency in the terms that we're focused deeply. They were focused deeply on ads, right? They were ad people. Um, we're focused deeply on marketing automation, CRM, and the ancillary tools that support marketing, sales, customer success. So the whole sort of revenue cycle. Uh, and so we are structured with a client success uh, strategists, and we call them strategists specifically because they are actually developing strategy with our clients. They're not just account executives looking to write the next SOW. We've got project management who's all around, you know, internally keeping us organized. Um, and then we have, you know, within the uh, delivery team, we've got MarTech solution architects and experts and specialists who are all at different levels of their professional journey in terms of experience. Um, so it's actually similar, whereas other agencies are maybe much more broad. They're doing social, PPC, graphic design, communications, PR. So they're sort of that broad, they're at the top of the T and we're more of a deep T uh, in terms of our specialization. And so I think the structure is actually very similar to the Mad Men sort of space where it's all about um, the focus there. Is someone going into marketing today, are they focused on creative skills like copywriting and ideation, idea idea development? Or do they? does everyone need to be a bit more technical? Is the whole discipline becoming more technical and, and requiring of us more technical skills, do you think? So when I think about the marriage of the creativity and the strategic thinking around marketing and how technology supports that, I see that as um, a very positive feedback loop. So we're, as humans, we are, I think, uh, for the most part, innately creative in whatever realm that might be. There is creativity just flowing um, as marketers, we go into marketing because we're creative and because we're excited about the potential of um, uh, sort of expanding the creative thinking and connecting with people and how do we use our creativity to engage with folks. So I actually see um, that the fact we are using digital platforms as a tool is very important, but we need to stay very connected to the creative edge and side of our profession. Now, I do think something that's interesting um, today is that you can you can actually have you you might need two different people to support an initiative. The technologist, the one that's in there coding, uh, the one that gets how data works, the one who can work in the system, and the other person who is uh, developing what we're going to run through the technology uh, to ultimately reach our audience. And that can be the content. And that can also be the, um, this, the, the journey that's created. So that's creative strategic thinking. Um, so I don't know that, I think it's a really unicorn to have that in one person. Um, but I think that it's a really special combination when you develop a team that brings these skills together, uh, and, 
they're all working towards that same vision. No, I agree. I mean, I'd definitely be the first person to say that creativity and strategy play a very similar role as they did in the Mad Men era. Um, you know, people respond to good ideas. If you've got a really fancy way of getting that idea in front of someone, technologically great, but if, if unless it's a good idea, it just won't land. Um, so end of story, really, you know. Um, so let, let's just think more about um, agencies and how they work today as well. Uh, I mean, at what point are clients realizing they need an agency? At what point are they reaching out to you? What kind of problem do they have? Uh, you know, we have people that reach out to us and probably every other uh, agency would, I bet, have the same experience. Um, one, they don't know how to use the technology to its fullest capacity, right? So oftentimes you'll have a company that uh, one of our team members used to say they're using this very big, expensive, expansive marketing automation platform, which is really a Ferrari style. And they're using it just to like run to the market and pick up, you know, bananas in the afternoon or something where they're, it's like, you could just use your scooter for that. Um, so, you know, let's really get uh, as most as much as we can out of the system. And so they're making a big investment. They had a vision of a really incredible customer experience, customer journey, um, but they don't have the skills internally yet to make uh, the magic happen. So that's one. Um, another is integrations. They bring in uh, multiple systems. They've got a pretty complex MarTech stack that maybe isn't integrated well. It's not serving their customers or clients in the way that they need it to. Um, it's not helping them be as competitive as they could be. They see their competition doing more exciting things. Um, so, you know, they want to bring all of their systems together um, uh, and really create something special for their audiences. And sometimes it's just they don't have the uh, enough people to get the work done. And so, you know, those are probably the three kind of biggest categories of why they're coming to us. Um, they need more uh, muscle to get things out the door. Um, and these are mass, you know, these are massive organizations that have global field marketing teams, global sales teams that are trying to do hundreds of different types of campaigns um, a month minimum, you know. And so they just need to get a lot out the door. Um, that's mm. more quantity, right? That's true, isn't it? I, I Similarly, my agency, we had really big clients who had endless resource, really, internally, and, and really could have done, it seemed, could have done any of the stuff we were doing for them. But they wanted to hand off some things to an external agency, knowing that that agency would be contractually obliged to come back in two weeks or a month or whatever with some stuff that they'd done, and they knew it would get done. And I think, um, and they knew it would get done with a fresh pair of eyes, with um, you know, very high quality creative um, expertise, etc. Because you're right, those internal teams at these big companies have just got they're spinning a hundred plates at the same time, and perhaps worried that you know a certain campaign just won't won't be done well and um, at all or on time. Um, so, 
thinking back to your earlier years uh, growing the agency, what would have been in those earlier days, what would have been your dream brief? Probably what we're doing today, honestly. Um, You know, uh, we actually have an article around this, I think, on our website somewhere, but there's, and I might have mentioned it to you one time earlier, where there is a photograph um, that I took at a 2016 Marketo Summit, and it was uh, a stat, I think it was from The Economist, and I believe that it said something like um, 86% of CMOs believe that by 2020, they will own the entire customer experience. And I took that picture and I was so inspired by that. Um, And so from the earliest days, uh, it has been for me when I was, when we first started Demand Lab and it was me doing the services, uh, it is how do we push the envelope? How do we get the most we can out of the platform, out of the data, which is, you know, leveraged by the platform um, and really create an experience that moves our clients' audiences. Mm. And we're doing that today. So I think that that's, that is it really. And, but you know, what that means is integration um, these days too, right? Um, That is between client and agency or, uh, well, that's another thing. I, I'm a I'm a Come fan of that. integration, yeah. yeah. Um, but but I'm talking just about systems, um, mm. and and also on the client side, teams. So breaking down the silos. Um, at that time, 2009, 2010, people were writing books and blog articles about sales and marketing. Uh, you know, misalignment. Um, what's wild is that that still exists today um but we love breaking down those walls um by leveraging technology and data uh, but so yeah my my dream brief i'm thrilled to say uh we're living it I'm living the dream <laughs> wow that's great I'm, I'm glad to hear it i mean i uh, when i uh, ran my agency i stuck by the rule of three f's i stole it off a friend who also um still runs an agency in london and uh fame fun and fortune i don't know if this is a widely known thing but it has to tick you know every brief that lands on desk has to tick at least two of those i mean if you were being a real purist about it you'd say all three but in re- in the real world two you know it either has to make you famous you know be a piece of work that you can basically be a calling card to get more work uh, it's going to be lots of fun so it will inspire the team you know push people to learn new things and and be something that feels like a real challenge we can all surmount together in a fun way and fortune <laughs> the client's going to pay us properly for it you know and it's going to um impact the bottom line of the agency and i always said you know if it ticks two of those boxes then i'm my ears are open you know i'll certainly um you know take it on kind of thing consider it anyway um but i think because I, I, I think that's one of the big challenges when you start an agency i remember when i started mine i mean literally if someone had come and said can you 
you know, do you do you shampoo carpets? I probably would have said, yeah, we we, we can do. <laughs> I'll just hire a machine and come around and do it. You know, you you, you kind of you're te- well, I was anyway. You, you're terrible at saying no, and you quickly realise in that first year or two that saying no is actually one of the most important things you have to learn because you the agency will die unless you're quite specific and focused about what briefs you take on, I think. We actually had a client that we've we worked with for years. Uh, we actually worked with them through th- two or three acquisitions. So um, their team just continued to bring us along as they were being, you know, brought, acquired into larger and larger companies. And mm. um, we had such a wonderful relationship with them. And I still do. The The one woman has moved on. She's a CMO of a new company. Um, and we have continued to work with her at that company. But um, they asked us if we could design their um, booth for an event and also the CD cover for what they were handing out. And normally I would have said no at this point, but we had, we were so close with them and had worked with them for so long. We were just like, well, we're going to make it work. We're going to do that for them. Um, But yes, being able to say no, I think that's actually a real milestone of an agency. Uh, When you get to the point where you can say, that's not for us, that's huge. Um, Good point. And I feel you, we were there doing crazy things in the, and, you know, it was like a, a client that said, hey, could you do our PPC? Sure, we can figure that out. We'll make it work, you know, and we were successful. But then we realized, why are we doing this? No, we need to stay focused on where we are exceptionally talented and where we can drive the most value for our clients. So today we have people, uh, we had a prospect that came and said, I'm looking for somebody that can do everything you're doing with Marketo and Salesforce and these things, but also all of our graphic design and all of our PPC and some of our PR, some mix like that. And I just said, you know, we are not that company for you. We love working with people that are exceptionally talented in these other spaces because we can partner with them and make you really successful. Um, but we have decided to be very focused in this area. It's 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 true, isn't it? So it's a good point that it really is like a milestone. Um, I'll tell you another thing that I struggled with running an agency is new business. Because what would happen, the, the really big work all came through referrals. It was all through the black book, like your friend that you mentioned that went on to be CMO somewhere else. That's where all the best work came from. And when you actually, I found when I proactively went out and did really big new business pushes, this you're, you're like really pushing uphill and you get to the top of the hill and it's just, you know, the stone you're pushing is just a tiny pebble at the, at the end of it anyway. And yet you sit there at your desk one day having lunch and an absolute meteorite falls in your lap, like a massive piece of work. And they don't want you to pitch. They've just been recommended. So they already love you before they've talked to you. And you just want a meeting to get the project started. I, I, I never quite got my head around the asymmetry of that, how easy referred work was to get and how hard, like just cold new business was to to push as an agency. How do you reconcile that? 80% of our growth, the number used to be much higher, actually, <laughs> mm. is through referrals. And those are, um, you know, I have a story. It was... Last year, 
we got a new client and this was somebody reached out to me who we had worked with probably five, six, seven years ago. And at that point, she was an intern at a client's, uh, in a client's marketing team. And now she was a marketing manager with her own budget. And so she reached out saying, I really want to work with you guys. As soon as I got this promotion, I told my, my boss, I want to work with Demand Lab. And that was like a goosebump moment for me. Um, and I'm sure you've experienced those sorts of things because it is the, it is the reputation that follows you everywhere. And that's how you get the referrals. And um, so I was ex- thrilled to work with her and, and her team. Um, but we also, we do have a business development process. We, we do demand generation. We use Marketo ourselves, um, you know, and Salesforce and plenty of other uh, platforms that are integrated. We're, we're working through that. But the truth is most of our, our clients are coming through referrals or past clients, new company and I think that's okay. I think at the time it, that worried me because it wasn't predictable. You're like, well, what if next year no one happens to feel like referring us? You know, it just seems so, um, I mean, it's like counting on the weather or, you know, something like a natural, it's very such a natural organic thing, isn't it, referrals? So counting on it is is can be scary, but then it just does seem to happen year after year, doesn't it? And And as you go on, further in time, obviously it becomes more reliable, I suppose. I think that as you, as the agency grows too, I do think that is fine early years for sure. Um, As the agency grows, I would, my recommendation would be to start to really consider incorporating strategies around um, partnerships um, and Speaking, doing, you know, giving talks wherever you can. That, as we grew, became a really important part of our of our our approach and our process. Of course, we just came out of a couple of years where that was nearly a live presentation was impossible. But even PR, you're right. Well, actually, that's I was just about to say. You know, I remember um, when we were hiring our first um, salesperson. And I'm really proud to say that she's actually now a, a consultant for another marketing automation platform. She does HubSpot consulting. She's a wonderful person. I was so thrilled to bring her on board. Um, and uh, and she was great uh, while she was here. Um, but I was talking to an advisor when I was getting ready to hire her. And I was saying, we're bringing on our first you know, business development rep who's going to help me because I'm the salesperson. I'm still, even at our size, the one that's coming in and having the conversations and and working through, you know, the strategic thinking of what will this engagement look like and how can, where, where, where are we providing value, et cetera. And he said, um, you know, what you might want to do though is take that money in that you're going to pay her in salary and commission, et cetera, and just sponsor events and get PR. <laughs> and at that stage, maybe that was a better, that would have been a better use of funds. I don't, I don't really know. But I do think that as an agency grows, you do have different opportunities for, um, you know, getting those net new logos. Um, and it's a matter of 
it's not about doing sort of typical demand generation, you know, especially as an agency. It's really around the thought leadership and um, the brand yeah. work. Yeah, absolutely. So thinking about that, what do you think about awards? I love awards. I think awards are very cool. Um, and what I love about awards, uh, honestly, is that from our perspective, and if you look at our website, we haven't submitted any awards for ourselves in a long time. Um, the best thing about awards in terms of an agency, so we're not an ad agency that's looking to get the accolades and you know some special awards for uh, a commercial that went out and that you know changed the world or whatever. Um, for us, it's about awards for our clients. So when we're working, because we're very much in the background, we're on the operations side, we're you know developing strategic use of technology to get the content out uh, to reach and engage an audience. Um, so it's a bit deeper inside of an organization. When we do awards, we do it for our clients and that's what's thrilling. I think awards are great for also smaller agencies um, and they're fantastic personal brand um, sort of amplifiers. Hello, a quick reminder from me that if you're enjoying our podcast series, why not become a member of the DMI so that you can enjoy loads more content from webinars and case studies to toolkits and more real-life insights from the world of digital marketing. Head to digitalmarketinginstitute.com forward slash ahead of the game to sign up for free. Now back to the podcast. Okay, so thinking about the agency-client relationship, you recently wrote on the uh, Demand Lab blog about um, four keys to successful agency relationships. You know, we've been around for a long time, as we've already talked about, and we have had really successful relationships that have lasted years. Um, and then we've had others where we're like, this wasn't the best romance we've had. Um, and I think that's actually what my blog is, is even alluding to, like creating a, you know, the relationship of your dreams or whatever. Um, but I think that there are a lot of signs that kind of come as you even start through the sales process. And I bet you saw this with your agency where you're like, is this a good mutual fit? And I think that when you're um, an, at earlier stages and you just want to take any client you can so you can get the work and you can like create some case studies hopefully and um, you're less choosy. Um, but I think that one of the most important things around a good relationship is being selective. And so that is that goes both ways. And as an agency, we also have to be selective to make sure that we're going into, and we have the luxury of doing this now, after so many years and at our size, to ensure that we're going into uh, an engagement where we know that we can provide value and make our clients successful, see their success and share their success internally. So we care a lot about that. Um, I also would say one of the most important things, and I think I talked about this in uh, the article, is trust. When I'm in an early conversation with somebody who might be a client of ours and I feel like there is a lack of trust, usually that's because they've worked 
with an agency and been burned, unfortunately. So I know that we can turn that around for them and we can show them the the other side, um, you know, the potential, but there has to be a mutual trust also. So, and the reason for that is because we need to have transparency. We need to be able to get into their systems and look at their data. Um, we have to, they need to trust us when we say, this part isn't working. This is how it needs to be changed. And if they don't trust, you know, then it's, it's very difficult to move forward. Um, also, you know, a client needs to understand what they actually need. So when they come to the conversation, sometimes they don't, we can help them clarify that. What is it that they're really looking for or need? Cause sometimes it's just too confusing. Um, but as if we can develop a clarity around what are we trying to achieve together from there, we can actually develop what are the, how will we measure our success? Um, and what we want to be able to get to is creating a baseline. Where are you at now in terms of, let's say, engagement of your audience or a particular segment or a particular geography? So we want to be able to get that number because here, at least at Demand Lab, we're, we're a really competitive company. And so we're trying to beat that number. Obviously, that's what we're hired for. Um, but we need to know what we're working towards um, as well. So being able to create the benchmark is really important um, and yeah. agreed upon measured uh, or success measures. Yeah, I think I think that's good, isn't it? It's um, it's something that doesn't happen by itself. That like any relationship, right? You have to put the work in. You have to think about it strategically, and it might not sound as romantic, but <laughs> you, you do have to. You know, there's some contrivedness about about it. It doesn't just happen naturally and beautifully just because it all felt great when you first had, uh, you know, when you won the business and uh, shook hands on it and what have you. Um, so that, that is very interesting to me, that. You're right about that. Um, it is like any relationship. And we are all humans. So these are relationships that we're forming. Um, one of the things that, you know, we have a really strong culture at Demand Lab. And within our company. And it's been developed by the team itself. Uh, not It's not something I wrote and then decided was our culture. Um, it's something we actually developed together and, and we review it annually. Um, but I, I would say one of the, one of the core aspects of the team that any company is working with must be empathy. Mm-hmm. And so if we can put ourselves into our client's shoes and understand the challenges that they're going through, um, it makes that relationship much easier to build. And it is natural. I think that as long as you have really good people and we have empathy and uh, a deep caring for the client, you you should be able to go pretty far in that relationship. It's true that, isn't it? Yeah. Um, some people do have innate skills that lend themselves to maintaining good relationships like empathy. Um, you're absolutely right. So that that sort of segs nicely into a question I wanted to ask you about how you hire, you know, the kind of people you look for. Um, 
and and there are two lot there are two sets of skills that I think anyone has. There are the kind of innate ones that you're kind of born with or you're not, and then there's the learnable ones like being able to use Twitter ads or something. Um, and sometimes though that that former category gets referred to as soft skills. So thinking about the different types of skills, what what do you look for in terms of innate qualities, soft skills, and those kind of things? Our hiring process is pretty rigorous. Uh, and that is because we're putting the marketing fate of our clients in the hands of the people that they're working with it at the company, right? At Demand Lab. So uh, we care a lot about the innate, if you will, skills, those soft skills, um, as much as we care about the technical skills, because we don't hire people if we hire somebody at a level where we know they're going to need training, no problem. But if we hire them in a level where we know where we believe they should be able to come out and begin being strategic and executing at a high level, high level of complexity with our clients, we need that to happen. So there's there are assessments and there are things like that, the technical side. But also somebody can come to us with less technical capability and grow into uh, you know, and they can advance professionally. So those are easier things to train. We can train, and there are tons of trainings out there. Tons of people have certifications uh, that say they can use a platform. There are two things that are really important. One is, can they use it strategically? Do they understand the root of that platform, which is data? Um, but then also on the agency side and in the way that we work, um, can they work with clients and um, that have really big challenges that they need to solve? And can they, are they flexible? Um, I, I go back to empathy. I know I'm, I'm talking about that maybe a bit much, but, you know, oh. Do they, can they support, be very supportive of a client's challenging environment and help them do better? So it's, I don't know, I don't, I didn't articulate that very well, to be honest. But I think that when, so when we're looking to hire, um, just to go back to exactly the hiring process, Mm. somebody comes in, they have an initial interview, which is fit, and it's not about technology at all. It is, will they work within our environment well, within our team well, uh, with our clients well? Exactly. Chemistry meeting, exactly. Um, and so if if that looks good, then they'll go on and te- talk to the next person. Then they'll talk, well, they would talk to the person that would be their manager. Um, and then we will then have them talk to a couple of technical folks. There is an assessment to see how, at what level are they. But all along, and we use um, a talent management system. So we have notes from everybody that's interviewing. And usually they'll talk to five or six people. And they're looking not only for the technical fit, but really culture fit. And for us, that's trust, innovation, excellence, you know, self-care, well-being, that sort of thing. Um, and if there is a, if there is 
not a strong enough culture fit, even with the technology, they will not be hired. Yeah, that's 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 really interesting. Again, it's um, it's like the client thing, you know, knowing how to say no and being, uh, yeah, it's the same as staff. Someone might come to you with the best skills, but if they're not going to fit, uh, I've definitely made that mistake. I have made that mistake in hiring people, you know, myself, um, hiring someone that was fantastic at a particular thing, but ultimately wasn't a good culture fit and it, and it, and it didn't work out. All agency owners will do that and should. That's how you figure out what is important for you. And, and I think that bubbles up really quickly when somebody's hired and you realize, wow, why is our process so long? And I consider it to be long and, and, you know, a bit difficult. Um, But we've recently hired, I don't know, three or four people in the last few months. And all of them are like, that was an amazing experience. I felt like I knew Demand Lab. I'm I was ready to start. I couldn't be I couldn't wait to start. One person even started I think 2 weeks early um because he was like, "Yes, let's get going." Um and so we've refined our process, but I think any any agency that's listening to this or owner who's at earlier days, it is going to be those challenges and maybe mistakes that help guide you to creating a better system and process for your future. Well, also in listening to podcasts like yours, Will. Thank you. Um, So what about the role of upskilling then? Obviously, it's a matter of some interest to the DMI, being being an organisation that helps people with that. Is Is that just something that every agency has to invest significantly in uh, constantly over time upskilling there's no getting around that there i mean one you have to upskills to keep your uh team members engaged right i mean if you want to have happy team members they will especially our kind of um uh talent that is in the space of an agency that's you know in technology focused etc they're people that want to learn. They're constant learners. And so having a, a process and approach for upskilling is is critical. If someone comes for a job and they, there's evidence of them upskilling themselves, doing certified training and courses, is that important? You know, we had somebody who came on board, um, it might have been one month ago, and he had great potential and talent and great energy and we're really excited through the hiring process. Um, And he wasn't hired for a role to deliver in Marketo or anything like that. That's not what the role was. But during the process, he started taking the like earliest Marketo certification training so that he could know more. And honestly, I was so impressed with somebody who was sort of, I would call a ferocious learner, um, that he took it upon himself to do that. And it wasn't, I mean, eventually, yes, we would pay for that. We would, you know, support that. And that would be part of his professional development. But um, that's, that says a lot. I think that would be a key innate quality that I would look for in people as well. That kind of, you know, not everybody's going to be quite that keen, but some sort of 
thirst for you know self improvement and and um, self learning, you know upskilling definitely. Hey, what's your professional development program look like? I love that because that says somebody is really interested to know how can they grow here. Yes, you want people who want to grow, don't you? Not people who just want to clock in and take the paycheck. Which is tricky, you know. That that's a tricky thing because what I found is I was I was all up for that in my twenties and early thirties. When I had kids, that was inevitably compromised. I couldn't go home in the evenings and ha- have that same dedication to self learning. Perhaps I was becoming a bit more senior in my career, so I felt I could get away with it. But do you know what I mean? I think when you I think when you have a family, I think that takes a lot of the spare time away you might otherwise spend on side projects, side, you know, little kind of hacky projects where you just muck around with technology. That's what I found. I I agree. And we have our team members are varying ages, varying sizes of family, varying makeup of family. Um, And so, you know, one of the things that we we have time allotted during the work day, not every day, obviously, but during the work month, let's say, that should go towards um, professional development. And we track that in our project management or the time tracking system that we use. So I can look at the end of every month and see, has everybody used their PD time? And if they haven't, I might ask why, or is there a plan? Usually there's a plan. There's a certification that they're going to go through or whatever. Um, so, and we also have to kind of, it is self-guided, um, we're there to support, we, we provide funding since day one with our first employee, we had professional development fund and also a personal development fund, by the way, because we think that people should, you know, they use that money for, I don't know, acting classes, acupuncture, whatever. It's just there for them to be personally developing and being happy. But I think a company does need to carve out the time and not expect that always to be during the evening, during the weekends, because yeah, people have lives. That's really important Mm. to respect. What are the top three things a listener could do right after listening to this podcast to maximize their relationship with their agency? So the first thing that they could do if they have an existing agency um, is to ensure that they've got clear benchmarks and measurements in place. So there's clarity of what we're trying to achieve. Um, Set up a meeting with your success strategist and make sure that they know what your plans are for 2023 or at least Q1 um, so that you are developing the partnership that you need with your agency and and their team to help you meet your goals. And the third thing to maximize your relationship with your agency, I guess be really clear on exactly what they do and where their strengths are so that you can know exactly how you could leverage them to meet your goals. Because sometimes you might be working with an agency for one thing, but in fact, there are two, three, four, five other related uh, talents and skills that they're offering that maybe you're not aware of. Yeah, that's a good point. That I think sometimes when we have agency relationships, they just, after a while, it just becomes like living with family, you know? You know yes. 
you, you, do you know what I mean? You, you just sort of, well, they're the people that do that. You don't ever kind of take a very fresh look at it, the relationship, and sometimes it's good to do that, isn't it? Take stock a bit rather than just do the monthly status meeting again. If I was going to start my own agency tomorrow, <laughs> I'm not, it's okay. I'm not going to try and uh, go after your clients. Uh, but if I was to start my own agency tomorrow, what three bits of advice succinctly would you have for me? Um, I would say uh, be clear on what you want to deliver within technology, creative, etc. Do you mean the kind of work that you want to produce? Yeah. Be clear on the work and don't divert too far from that work. Put your team members first. Don't sacrifice your team for the client work. Mm, interesting. I, I, I feel like I might have done that at some point in the past. Well, what do you mean by that exactly? Agency owners have done that because they say they don't want to say no at the early stages. So they say, yes, yes. It's loads of money. Come on, guys. <laughs> and then the team is, you know, um, running like crazy, trying to build, you know, create booth designs when uh, they should be doing something else. Um, no, but really focus on how you're providing value to your team as a key stakeholder of this company, your firm, your agency, because they're the ones that are providing the value to your clients. And you can have all the best technology, you can have all the best frameworks, amazing methodologies for delivering. But if your team isn't happy, it will come through. And your clients won't stick with you for year after year after year. That's very good advice. Two great pieces of advice. What's the third thing you'd say to me? Make sure it's an area that inspires you and that you will be excited about 10 years from now. How could I find that out? How could I know that? <laughs> I know. Well, I'll tell you what, to be honest, Will, I've, I have been passionate about marketing since I was about 15 in high school when I first learned about marketing. Uh, then I went into graphic design for a while and then back into marketing because I realized, well, I'd want, before graphic design, I wanted to be an artist. There was not going to be any money for me, for sure, in that. Um, so becoming a digital artist and then going back into marketing because that's really what I felt passionate about and got really excited about. So I think that don't start an agency unless you know it's something that you love and that you want to do for your life. Maybe not the agency, but that kind of work, the essence yeah. of what is what you're delivering. Yes, because because you you know you're going to be stuck with it for a while, right? So you know it's not a get rich quick scheme, is it? It's not you know it's it's a, you're in the long you're in for the long haul for sure. No, it's definitely not a, a get rich quick scheme, but I think it's incredibly rewarding. You know, I mean, I have a you were talking about kids. Um, my daughter's thirteen now. She's been a part of this business her entire life, um, and. It's, inc it's so exciting to see how that's impacted her perception of the working world or developing as a professional. So I think it's worth it, but it's going to be hard. So if she says, mom, I want to work in marketing, what, what are you going to say to her? 
Well, she's planning on taking Demand Lab over in 10 years from now. <laughs> That's her plan. Um, but yeah, I would love it. I think, you know, it's a really fascinating space and it's there are endless opportunities and areas of marketing that people can work in. So True. more power to you. Go for it. That sounds great. Wow, that, w- that would be fantastic, wouldn't it, if she took it on? And <laughs> it was still here in like 60 years yeah. with her daughter running it. Fantastic. Well, look, Roan, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed talking to you, um, and I feel like I've learned quite a lot and had some things crystallised for sure uh, for me, and I'm sure our listeners will have learned lots too. Of course, I do have one more question for you. Where can people find you and connect with you online? Sure. Well, um, obviously, they can go to our website, demandlab.com. Um, or, of course, I'm on LinkedIn, and you just search Roan Morgan. I'm the only one there, as far as I know. R-H-O-A-N is how you spell my first name, and Morgan is the last name. I'm there. Great. Well, we will do that. Um, well, thanks again, Roan. Really appreciate it, and uh, hope to chat to you again soon. Thank thanks. you so much. It was a great conversation. I appreciate it. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about transforming your marketing career through certified online training, head to digitalmarketinginstitute.com. Thanks for listening.